Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. Today, I have an episode for you about eating disorders and our relationship with food. I am interviewing Daniela Gill. She is an Akashic practitioner who experienced an eating disorder for over a decade and now has a beautiful relationship with food and helps others create empowering relationships with food. We discuss so many things in this episode, such as restricting, binge eating, purging, self-awareness, and discuss why and how disordered eating habits are created in the first place and how to heal your relationship with food. I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. If you want to reach out to either me or Daniela, we have both had our fair share of disordered eating habits and struggling with our relationship with food in the past. You can find Daniela on Facebook at Daniela Gill or me on Facebook at Arel Hug. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and can take a lot from it. And I hope that hearing some of this can help you heal and better your own relationship with food. And this episode isn't for someone who struggles with food themselves. This can also be an episode for people who might know someone, a family member, or a friend who is struggling with their relationship with food and simply wants to understand them a bit better, this is also for you. So if you finish listening to the end of this and you found that it was really helpful and powerful, please share this episode with people you know and help heal the world one little step at a time. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, Daniela. Welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. Thank you, Arel. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. First question is, what elevates your soul? Love. Love in all of its infinite number of forms. Um, Today, what elevated my soul was having this incredible meal made by this beautiful, enlightened, humble farmer and just delighting in every bite of everything that he grew and the way it was prepared so beautifully and then connecting really beautifully with a friend and sharing, giving, receiving, appreciating, cultivating gratitude and consistently doing my best to live the most inspiring, fun, loving life possible. I resonate with that so much. (laughs) I love it. So the podcast topic today is on food and I want to cover a bit about eating disorders and kind of more of a spiritual approach to healing our relationship with food. I'm wondering if you can tell us about your story with your relationship with food and how that is molded and changed throughout your life. 
So when I was younger and I didn't want to do my homework, I would go to the pantry and I would open the pantry and I would just start eating, <laughs> eating and eating. So at a young age, I developed this habit of using food as a distraction. And as I got older, I had some girlfriends who would binge a ton of food and who, well, they were very restrictive. So they were anorexic, but occasionally they would binge and then they would throw up. And I would watch and observe. I didn't participate, but one day I was really stressed out. I was probably in ninth grade, so about 14. And I remember eating so much and then just being like, I guess I'll just throw it up. And I did it a few times in ninth grade. And then in 10th grade, I went through a really challenging heartbreak where my boyfriend dumped me and I was so sad. And I just started binging and purging all the time. And that turned into having a lot of guilt and shame around food, which turned into then restricting, like wanting to restrict, like don't eat that kind of fearing food because I never knew when I was going to lose control. And from that age around 14, 15, up until quite recently, a few years ago, I'm 30 now, having bulimia during times of stress, like anytime I was stressed out, I would turn to food and yeah, and, and binge eating. And over, I stopped throwing up as much over time, although it would still happen occasionally where I would eat to the point where I couldn't breathe. Yeah. But my relationship with food has been extraordinarily challenging. And it's been such a beautiful indicator of not being in alignment and not following my passions and not facing my emotions. I feel that I've used food as a way of distracting myself or of numbing myself or as an attempt at comforting myself. I've replaced love, which is what I've actually been seeking, with food because food is one of the most beautiful forms of love. It's this divine gift, this offering from the mother, Mother Earth, and it nourishes us and it sustains us. And during times when I haven't known how to create and ask for and receive the love that I've been seeking, the comfort that I'm seeking, I feel that I have turned to food. And over the last few years, I've experienced tremendous healing in my relationship to food, like tremendous healing and haven't engaged in bleeding behavior in a very, very, very long time. I've had a few relapses with overeating, binge eating, wanting to turn to food and just generally eating food at times when it's not what my body is actually asking for, when it's not actually nourishing to my body, turning to food as comfort, as distraction. Um, but now, yeah, but now I feel I have a really empowered relationship with food, I'm really mindful of what I eat and how, and I've learned so much. Yeah. I'd love to ask from your perception, what do you think causes eating disorders in the first place? I think it is so different for everybody. And I feel like, I feel like it has so many different causes. Yeah. For me, it was not, I don't want to feel what I'm feeling in this moment. Like, I don't like what I'm feeling. I don't want to feel it. And as soon as I start eating, there's an element of pleasure. 
and there's an element of satisfaction and there's also an it's also like a roundabout means of receiving love because you're receiving the gifts of the earth you're receiving a form of love and then i feel that we can use food to like fill ourselves and i know that there's some theories that anorexia is a means of control when we don't feel that we're in control of our lives or in control of our emotions of our experience then we'll seek to control something and something that we can control is the intake of food I feel that food is like a really good way to like numb our physiology. So if we're in like fight or flight mode, if we're stressed out, if we have a lot of adrenaline coursing through our veins and then we eat like a ton of food, we're just sedated. Yeah. So it's like, it's like popping a Xanax. Um, food can be used as that. And also when we're tired, when we're perpetually exhausted, when we're not sleeping enough and we can turn to sugar, we can turn to caffeine to like, activate us and animate us and give us energy but of course it's it's borrowed energy and it's yeah. false energy it's not authentic real energy and it's ultimately not going to bring us what we're what our bodies actually want or need which is like a natural sustained energy that is full of clarity and that will keep us in a balanced place so i also feel like the food that is being fed at this time like the a lot of processed food is really addictive. Yeah. So I think addictions to food are really common. I feel like there are just an infinite number of causes. So many causes. But ultimately, it comes down to not being in touch with our bodies and forgetting the language of our body and not being fully present and aware and honoring of the communication of our bodies. When we really connect to our bodies, we'll see that like certain processed foods that are not supportive of the health of our bodies, they don't actually taste good or feel good to eat. Yeah. But that requires a deep presence to realize that. And with deep presence, we'll realize, oh, I'm not actually hungry right now. This is the need that I'm trying to fill. This is the void that I'm trying to fill. Yeah. And for some of us, though, it can be that we're hungry, right, for them restricting. It can be that your body is hungry and you should allow it to eat this food. And, uh, yeah, as you said, definitely I've definitely realized as well, the older I get, that certain foods that I used to think were – that I used to know consciously were not good for me, but I'd eat them anyway because my idea was, you know, everything's balanced. But – and then – the older I get, there are certain foods that I'm just like, you know what? I just really don't feel like this anymore. And, and then also listening to myself on what I feel like in that moment or on that particular day, you know, what my body's needing and sensing what your body needs to be nourished the best in that time and the place you're in right now in that life, I think is super important as well. But yeah, as you said, it takes a deep, conscious and subconscious I guess awareness of where you're at and having that deep relationship with your own body and with your own gut and with your own health yeah and realizing that a lot of what we've done with food a lot of what we've done with nutrition is we've turned it into a mental game yeah. we've turned it into what we might call a science but nutritional science is the only science that is not actually a science because when scientists when researchers do research on nutrition they actually get different results all the time 
Yeah. They're all getting different results because food is affecting us differently at different times and every food has its own element of medicine to it. Yeah. So even something like sugar that people have said it's so awful for the body, it, it causes inflammation, so on and so forth. At, there are times when sugar can be medicinal and it can be medicinal in different ways. Like if it feels good to the soul, if it brings you pleasure, if it brings you delight, if it's like a, an elevating experience, then the body is going to receive that with joy and it's going to receive nourishment from that. And so much of, of what we eat and the way we receive it is not really the components of the food like the vitamins, the minerals, the proteins, the fats, the carbs, it's actually the energy that we are infusing the food with as we eat it and how we feel as we're eating it and how we are relating to the experience of eating it and what are our expectations of the food, what are we projecting onto the food. All of this is so important. And I think it's, yeah, part of healing our relationship with food is getting out of the mind and wholeheartedly trusting the body like what is the body desiring and then being clear is it desire is it really the body that's desiring this or is it some part of me that is like like I know for me in healing my eating disorder I realized I had this fear of having really healthy digestion and having boundless energy all the time because that would mean that I would have to step into my dharma step into my work as an akashic practitioner like yeah fully and completely. And I was afraid of that. So then I would have these desires to eat certain foods and I would have to determine, okay, is this the desire of my soul, of my well-being, of my body, like actually of my body, or is it some other voice, some like self-sabotage voice? Is it the voice of my past patterns and habits? Yeah, that's so interesting. So you actually used your relationship with food you didn't want it to get better because you used that as an excuse to grow and fully step into your dharma which is your life purpose yeah and it took a lot of time to realize that like a lot of self-awareness so it was self-sabotage right then in a sense it was absolutely yeah. i've had digestive issues for a while and it was it's so easy when we have these issues to just think that we're victims of these problems but really um, I just realized over time that my digestive issues were self-created. Like I created that and I created it by overeating and not allowing my gut to heal. Yeah. I feel like when you said as well, the, the energy that the food has that you're eating, I also believe in the amount of like love that has been put into the food that you're eating. So if you're stressed out and you're, you know, hangry and you grab a microwave meal and throw it in the microwave and then eat it, it's like that food has been prepared by a factory, by a machine, and then you're putting it in the microwave and not paying any attention to it. And then you're shoving it down your mouth. And like, even though it might be full of vegetables and protein and whatever, all the nutrients that you think you need because you're using your head to eat, it's completely different than if you actually take the time to eat your food and take the time to realize 
you know, really question where is your food coming from? Is it prepared with love? Are you eating at a pub where, you know, people are rushing around and drinking alcohol and eating deep fried food? Or are you at an authentic, you know, restaurant where they put a lot of love, a lot of love and, you know, art into the way they present the food? Are you cooking it yourself? Are you in a good space when you're making the food? Where are you buying your food from? You know, if you're eating animals, was this animal, did this animal have good energy in its life? Was it tortured or was it able to, you know, be free and live around the woods? And you know, what energy are you consuming? What energy are you putting into your body? Not only from which food it is to how it's being made and how it's being prepared. And then also how you're eating it, what energy, what space are you in? And all that counts because that you end up absorbing that energy. That energy is inside of you. And if you're having things like gut issues and stuff, if you're eating a lot of processed foods and you're not in a good space when you're eating them or you're stressed out, even in between meals, then no, no one, no wonder, right? It's, it's not like, oh, I'm born this way. It's like, well, take a true, honest look at your lifestyle and your lifestyle around food and your relationship around food and the quality of your food and the energy of your food. Absolutely. Everything is energy. Yeah. Everything is energy. It all comes down to energy. And at the same time, food does have certain components, elements to it. And the fresher it is, the more, Mm. yeah. I always see it as like, it's, it's alive. Like the more alive it is, you know, how sometimes you eat things that are just so fresh or that are picked from the garden and it's like, you're eating life. And then other times you eat food and it's like, you're eating death. It's like, there's no life left in this food. And those are usually the foods for me personally that seem to not fill you and don't make you satisfied. And those are the foods that may be easier to binge on as well, because it's just like, there's, there's nothing to it. It's like you're eating empty, empty calories, you know, and it's just goes in and tastes good and it tastes good in your mouth, but then your body's saying, you know, otherwise. Yeah, it's life force energy. When we eat, we're desiring to receive life force energy. So the more life force energy a food has, then the more satisfying and nourishing it's going to be to us. And if a food doesn't have a a lot of life force energy, and then we eat it and we spend our life force energy digesting it, then ultimately we may feel drained at the end of that experience eating and more tired than we were before. Yeah. And that's, that's a very, very important note that you just made as well. Like be, be self-aware, be mindful of how you feel after you've eaten a certain food. Like you may not always know by looking at a food or smelling it or touching it or tasting it, if it's good for you or not, but seeing how you feel afterwards and truly being aware of what's going on in your body you know are you are you getting bloated are you burping is your tummy sore are you getting diarrhea are you getting constipation like do you feel drained of energy do you feel like you have more energy after you eat all those things are so important and i want to say as well though it's from my own experience it doesn't always have to do with the food though like 
I think a huge part of it is, is the mind. Um, and that's why, you know, this podcast is on eating disorders. I feel like it's, it's not the body that's gone wrong. It's, it's the mind, it's the relationship you have with the food. So you can be eating all the organic foods you want and all the fresh foods you want, and you can still have gut issues because of what's going on in your mind. I would love to speak to that because that for me was pivotal in healing the eating disorder and the digestive issues that I've had for so long. I was having reactions to many different foods and I thought that I had all these sensitivities and I felt very disempowered to food. And I started this practice of blessing everything that I eat thoroughly and wholeheartedly blessing it. I would place my hands over it. And first I would start by thinking of people and situations and circumstances and experiences that I was grateful for. And I would imagine blessing these people and blessing the world and just thanking them and really feeling them, cultivating the sense of gratitude. So I'd start with gratitude. Gratitude helps us be more receptive and more trusting, which is really important when we're eating because if we don't trust what we're eating, the body's not going to receive it and it's going to be able to assimilate it in the same way. Yes. So I'd start with gratitude and then I would just look at the food and put love into it. And I would put all of these high vibrational feelings into it. I'd be like, yes, thank you. Thank you for this food. I would like smell it. I would take it in. And then I would proclaim what I was going to do with this food. So if I was going to see three Akashic Records clients afterwards, I would say the names of my clients and be like, I'm going to do a reading for Aral and I'm going to like just show up fully as this voice of God. May I elevate her spirit. May I serve as the answer to her prayers in this session. May this session help her break through limiting beliefs, like whatever, just speak to that. That's what I'm going to use the energy of this food for. This is where this food is going. This is what it's here to do. It's here to radiate love. It's here to anchor in more love for humanity. It's here to have fun. And And then I would eat it. And I found that I thought that I had a sensitivity to like nuts, but really I had a fear of nuts because I studied nutrition extensively and I learned pretty much that every food has like some sort of component to it that might not be good for you. That isn't good for some people. And I had a fear of nuts and I had a fear of many foods and that's what was creating the digestive issues. And I also noticed that when I was eating these foods, a part of me would contract. Yeah. And I was sending unconsciously messages to my body. This isn't good for you. This isn't good for you. So the body would react as if I had eaten something that wasn't good for it. Exactly. So much of it is absolutely psychological. And it is amazing how much can change in terms of our digestive health when we go from eating in fight or flight mode, that, that mode where we have adrenaline coursing through our veins, to being fully relaxed. Anytime we're we are in fight or flight mode. There's no energy going towards digestion. It's going towards the muscles because the muscles have to be ready to fight at any moment. And when we're relaxed, it all goes towards our digestion. And then we can really trust and receive and assimilate. And I found that digestion can heal quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And there is, you know, it's not like, I don't want to give people the wrong impression by saying there's no science, you know, behind, there's no 
evidence behind the science that says like, you know, have your probiotics or make sure you get all these minerals and nutrients. Like, yes, but a huge part of it as well is the mind. And if you're not taking the mind into consideration, you probably won't get that optimal level of health that you're after. It's definitely taking that into consideration, what's going on in the mind. And how you said about like fearing certain foods as well, that's really, really interesting because I believe that the main thing, like the main reason why we make any decision in life comes from a place of love or fear. And that fear is like the ultimate, I don't know, quote unquote evil. I don't like to say evil, but like the shadow side. And if we can eliminate, the more we can eliminate fear and face our fears, the better it is for us and for our soul to grow and evolve. And when you said fear against certain foods, I wonder if that that's probably an unhealthy thing for your overall relationship with food in general. Like you might think you have a really good relationship with food because you're like, oh, I really, really, really love these foods and I want to nourish myself with these foods, but I'm so scared to eat these other foods. Like, I wonder if that has an impact on your overall relationship with food. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it does. And it's, I feel like our relationship with food is so symbolic of our relationship with life as well. Yeah. It's like, if we have trouble receiving love, we may have trouble receiving the love within food or food as love. And many of us have received conditioning around pleasure, specifically sexual pleasure, Mm -hmm. which I feel we then project onto food. So we think, oh, if I eat that chocolate cake, if I give myself the pleasure, then I'm gonna have to pay for it later. Whether, Whether it's through like digestive issues or just like generally not feeling well, or weight gain, whatever it is that someone feels yeah. they will have to punish themselves from yeah. really enjoying pleasure. And it's like we've created this kind of collective thing where we aren't allowing ourselves to fully, simply delight in pleasure and allow pleasure to be pleasure. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Something just came up um in my mind when you were saying that is and I think you touched on it before, like your, your mindset, your relationship, your, what your thoughts are of a certain food and how like what healthy is, is kind of imposed on us with society and how you have to pay for it later and all that kind of thing. Just, it just reminded me of how often, so often I have eaten around you know had meals with other people and especially it's more so in females where after a meal they'll be like oh my god I'm so full but it's almost like they're saying it in a negative way and it's like well no it's great like you were really hungry and now you're full and that's kind of what what you want to feel after a meal and and using that term you know oh I'm so full you could say oh I'm so satisfied now you know that food was great and it's almost like it comes from a place of guilt like oh I'm so full like oh wow I I ate so much and also things like junk food as well like I personally my go-to I don't know if I want to share this on the episode but whatever my junk food go-to is like 
sausage egg McMuffins from McDonald's. That was like, and it's stupidly like symbolic to me because it was something like I got when I was a kid as a treat. And it's not something I have often at all now as an adult, but like the odd one, this is like once a year or whatever, or twice a year. And if I have one, I feel so good because I'm like, oh, I know I like the taste of them. I never had a bad relationship with that sandwich because it was always like something I just really enjoyed the flavor of. And if I have one every now and then, I'll eat it for breakfast and I will feel absolutely fine afterwards and absolutely fine for the rest of the day. I will get energy from it. I'll be able to go to a yoga class or the gym after it and it'll be fine. And I only realized that that was odd when I started hearing other people and other women talk about food and they're like, oh my God, you know, I ate, you know, I was really craving a donut and then I ate a donut and then I regretted it because I felt so shit. And I'm like, did you really regret it because your body was really in agony or is it your mind, you know, that that's telling you, you did something wrong or you did something bad or you're going to have to pay for this or, or even your mind telling you now you're going to have digestive issues from this. Now you're going to be bloated from this. And then it's like almost like the mind takes over of how you feel after you've eaten something or the amount you've eaten. It's, it's how you're judging the food and how you're judging of how much you ate or whatever. And then you allow that to determine how you're going to feel afterwards. And I don't personally, I don't believe that like, unless you have some chronic severe gut issues, I don't believe that eating you know, a piece of cake or a piece of pizza is going to make you just, you know, feel completely miserable. I feel like if you have one every now and then and you're really craving it and you allow yourself to have it and you have a positive mindset about it and while you're eating it, you're just like, oh my God, I'm just enjoying this. It just tastes so good. This is a treat. Then I, I don't, I feel like you can feel absolutely fine afterwards because that's, that's my experience of it. And I've had the opposite as well, where I let my mind take over and then I do feel shit. And then I've also had the experience of letting myself mentally be like, okay, this is an exception. You're allowed, quote unquote, allowed to eat this. And you're quote unquote, allowed to feel good after eating this and while eating this. And then everything's fine. <laughs> so do you hear what I'm saying? Because I feel like long term, if you're going to eat a little bit of junk food, if you're going to eat junk food all the time, long-term, yeah, you're going to feel really shit and your body's going to hate you for it. But the odd time eating a piece of processed food or whatever, it's not going, it's not going to kill you. <laughs> your body's strong enough to deal with that. Yeah, I do feel our experience of how we feel about what we're eating is, is so significant in terms of how we assimilate it. And a huge, that reminded me of something that really helped me heal from having an eating disorder, which was that I would start to judge myself when I was eating a lot and I would call it binge eating. I would yes. say, oh, I'm binging. So yes. many of our thoughts we're not completely aware of. So a lot of them are unconscious or subconscious. Mm -hmm. That's why meditation is so supportive because it helps us become aware of our inner talk track because we may be thinking things that we're not even aware that we're thinking and our thoughts are always informing our behaviors 
So we may think that like in binge eating, it almost feels like it's like an automatic, like unconscious behavior. And it is, but it's because unconscious thoughts are driving it. Once you bring consciousness to what is unconscious, you can start to shift it and choose new thoughts and choose new behaviors. Yeah. So I realized that anytime I started eating a lot, I would judge it as binge eating. And as soon as I judged it and labeled it binge eating, then of course it would turn into a binge. Yeah. And what was really supportive in my healing was to rename binge eating, I am a goddess who is feasting because <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. And I called it like goddess feasting, goddess feasting. Like I'm just going to goddess feast and I would turn it into a goddess feast and it would be like really pleasurable and enjoyable. And at the end I'd feel really, really full, but it would be like a yummy full, like a satisfying full, not like an, oh my God, I can't breathe. My body's freaking out. My heart is pounding. Cause I, I mean, yeah. I've had an eating disorder. So I used to get myself to that level of fullness yeah. and something else that totally helped so much in healing bulimia. I want, I'm, I want to speak more to like, you know, the, the eating disorder aspect yeah. of it for those who are undergoing you know, healing from bulimia was I had a lot of guilt and shame around being bulimic and behaving bulimically. And I labeled myself as bulimic and I labeled myself as having an eating disorder. So my first step in healing was actually being really open about it and telling people. And that was helpful because it helped eradicate some of the guilt and shame. And it allowed me to ask for support when I needed it. It I can't tell you how many times I wanted to binge eat and I could just tell a friend and then go be with a friend and I could stop that desire. Like that desire would then not, it just wouldn't come into fruition. I wouldn't binge eat. Yeah. So that was really helpful. And then what was helpful after that was having so much compassion for myself when I did decide to binge and purge and I didn't label it as something bad. I thought it was so bad, like so much shame, like, oh my God, you did it again. I can't believe you. Like I'm never doing this again. Instead, I told myself, you know what? You can binge and purge whenever you need to. And I would binge and enjoy it instead of like doing it with so much shame. I'd be like, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm going to get, go to the grocery store, get whatever I want to eat. And I'm going to eat all of it. And then when I would throw up, I would like just proclaim to life, to myself, to God, I would say, okay, I was feeling some really hard to feel emotions. I was like taking on a bunch of stuff. And as I stick my fingers on my throat, I'm going to like purge all of that. Like, I'm just going to eradicate all of that. And I would throw up. And then afterwards I'd be like, oh, okay. So I eradicated the guilt and the shame and I didn't make it something bad. And then I wouldn't have to punish myself afterwards because yeah. a huge part of the eating disorder for me was that once I ate a little bit too much or something that wasn't good for me, or once I binge and purged once, I had all this guilt and shame. And then that would turn into, I deserve punishment. And then unconsciously I'd continue to punish myself by creating a cycle. Yeah. And that's usually what would happen to me. I'd be doing okay. I'd be doing well. And then I would just do it once and then bam, it would become mm -hmm. a cycle that I, that could sometimes take a while to get out of. Yeah. And it, I eradicated all of that judgment I found that I would have just isolated incidences like I would do it once and then I'd be done and it wouldn't perpetuate itself it wouldn't gain momentum because I wasn't judging it I was repeating it and I was allowing it and I think it's really important 
in any struggle that we have to honor our own innocence and to have our own back. It's like, I would rationalize the binging and purging. I would tell, not rationalize it, but I would tell myself like, oh my gosh, of course you would develop bulimia. Like I would think of like the traumas in my childhood and just have so much compassion for myself and be like, oh, of course. And with that compassion, there came total self-forgiveness, which allowed me to release the habit. Yeah. More what, easily. what if you get stuck in a cycle of, you know, what if you've gone past the, you know, I'm going to punish myself for this and I'm an idiot for doing this and I was supposed to be better and now I'm not better and now I've relapsed, blah, 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 negative self-talk. What if you've overcome that and you're okay with a binge and you're okay with the purge, but you know it's not good for you and you want to stop, but you still can't stop. So you're not beating yourself up, but you're like, cool, I'm not going to beat myself up about that because there's no point about it. Like you're logical about it, but then you're like also logical about it. And you're like, cool, but I don't want to do this anymore. So for people who are like actually struggling, struggling and they find it addictive because it very much can be the, the restricting, the, you know, binging on sweets, whatever, what's your advice and like some practical ways that we can deal with wanting to binge? Like they say you're the most vulnerable right before, like right when you're wanting to binge, just before a binge. How can we reduce binge eating and how can we find ways when we're in that moment of, you know, I want to do this less. I want to cut back. I don't, I don't want to be bulimic anymore, but it's so hard. And I, I feel like binging. What are some things that we can do when we're feeling like we're wanting to binge, but we're not wanting to? Well, one way to self-awareness is really important. Self-awareness and presence. Yeah. With presence, you can feel the triggers as they arise. You can feel the desire before it has gained momentum because once it gains momentum, it's really hard to stop. So you start to feel the initial little hints of, mm, I'm heading into that, that red zone, that dangerous territory of perhaps wanting to binge, and then you can head in another direction. Yeah. I'm gonna show what I did personally. Oh, something that you were speaking to before that I wanted to speak to was when, when you start to accept the binge eating and purging, what happens is that you're not, you're not in this place of self-condemnation. And when you're not in self-condemnation, then you're going to love yourself and you're just naturally going to do what's good for you. Right. When you're in a place of self-condemnation, you're going to continue to punish yourself, which is to perpetuate the eating disorder. Yeah. So some things that I've done to not binge, ooh, exercise is really good for me. It works because it moves energy. I, f I discovered as I became more present and self-aware that I will eat large quantities of food as a means of moving energy. And exercise does the same thing, like intense cardio exercise. So now I do that every single day. There were times when I'd be walking to the fridge and I would just have a moment of like awareness, like, whoa, yep. this is happening. 
and I call it pattern interrupting. And I would pattern interrupt in the weirdest way. So sometimes I'd scream, I'd be like, ah, no. Or I'd like dance and make like really crazy movements. Yeah. Like just something so weird. Or sometimes without even thinking, it's just like, just go to your car and go somewhere. Just go to your car and go somewhere. And I would like go to, yeah. go to a park and cry or maybe just call someone. Like the moment you have, it's like the little lifeline, like that moment of awareness. It's like a little angel on your shoulder. That's like, you don't have to do this. And also I had to become really aware of my excuses. I had a habit of always telling myself, I'm just going to eat this little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to eat just three cookies and then I'm done. And I can tell you that that is never what happened. Yeah. Ever. It's yeah. like, it's like the more I eat, the worse it gets. Yeah. And then, so I started becoming aware of that and I started journaling it. So it was like, written out it was etched in my awareness now i know what's happening and i can't pretend that i don't know mm. i realized that i was telling myself the story that i didn't know when i was hungry or full and i realized like oh you're just pretending not to know you actually do know when you're full and you don't want food and i had to un like shine the light of my awareness on all of the excuses that I was using to enable me to eat even when I'm already full. Yeah. So that was a really important part of it. Another part of it was I've, I've never been overweight. So I would use that as an excuse. I'd be like, Oh, well you're thin. So like, just keep eating. It's like, yeah. no, don't do that. Right. So becoming aware of all the excuses and then making sure that I maintain alignment in my life and course correcting. Yes. So if I, I mean, the littlest things, like even if I spend too much time in bed in the morning, that can all take me in a direction where I might binge eat. If I mm. have an interaction with someone that just like feels like hurtful, if I'm sad, it's like, I need to address these feelings and these circumstances immediately. Otherwise I may head into binge eating territory. So I have to be so mindful to consistently remain in alignment in order not to binge eat. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can relate with that. Yeah. 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 Like everything's going good and I, I guess creating a routine as well, perhaps might be easier for some people. Like when life throws you in all different directions and you feel like you don't have control, you're like, Oh my God, you know, I need to restrict or I need a binge or whatever the case may be. And yeah. And then to, to put a little bit more routine and I guess have that sense of control because a lot of, they say you need disorders are about control. So I guess having, trying to find ways without controlling though other people or controlling yourself or con trying to control the world because that does not work how to give yourself a sense of having control might no limit you binge i feel like it's about completely releasing the need for control which comes from trust in life right it's like like surrendering to life and offering ourselves to life and I know that quote, like, let my will be thy will, aligning yeah. ourselves with, with that, with divine will and trusting the flow of life. And then we don't have a need for control because the need for control always comes from fear. And yeah. with trust, we eradicate fear. Yeah. And with trust, 
we can then just wholeheartedly trust our bodies. Right. To tell us what to eat and when to eat and how much to eat and how to eat. It's so interesting. Uh, it's just something just popped up in my head. I never thought of before, but um, when you said it like that, it makes it sound like, yeah, definitely. I, and I agree with what you're saying w rather than being like, Oh, I, I do need control. What do I find control over? That's not food. It's like, no learning that you, you don't need control and to go with the flow and to trust 100%. I believe that. And that control though, that comes from a place of fear. And I feel like for a lot of us, it's a subconscious or conscious fear that we're not safe. Like it's a feeling around safety. And I feel like a lot of people who have eating disorders have a feel around, have a fear around safety and not feeling safe. And when you look at the statistics and see that more women have eating disorders, a lot of people in society have, you know, come up with this idea or this belief that eating disorders are about physique and the way you look. Whereas if you see it from, no, it's, it's an issue with not feeling safe, then that kind of makes sense as well. Because I feel for women growing up in the Western world, at least we, we are a lot more, we do feel a lot more unsafe. That is a lot more of a, a logical, I guess, fear for women to have than men to have. And for me personally, that is when my eating disorder started is when I just had this huge fear of life all of a sudden happened to me. It was, you know, a year after my dad passed away and then we moved to a different country and a really like a ghetto, like a really violent uh, neighborhood. And my mom went to work full time and it was just me and my little five-year-old sister. And I had to look after her. My mom did night shifts and day shifts and she was all gone. And I was just so scared. I didn't have, you know, I was home a lot looking after someone else and I was just scared of everything. I grew a fear of men in general. Like I didn't want when boys, I didn't want boys to look at me. I didn't want people to know my name. I didn't people I didn't want anyone to know that I was basically alive. Like I was just so scared and yeah, just so much fear in my body. And I feel like that's was the, the I guess the start of my eating disorder and or just just these self sabotage, these um not serving behaviors and that that evolved and turned into a lot of different behaviors in my life um it wasn't just an eating disorder but yeah that's i think that's where it all kind of rooted from was this feeling of not feeling safe and then that leads to not wanting to trust like not being able to trust in the universe feeling like you need to control because you don't have that trust and you don't have that trust because you don't feel safe because something happened to you somewhere in your life where that feeling of security and safety was ripped away and was taken away from you. Wow. Yeah. And I can see how if we don't feel safe, there's like this primal, there could be this primal urge to create safety for ourselves through food. For sure. That for was sure. like what represented safety, you know, many, many years ago when we were in danger of starving and food yeah. did resemble our safety and our life revolved around securing food. Yeah, exactly. 
I do think it is important to break that myth that eating disorders are about physique because what I've discovered yeah. in my work as an Akashic practitioner working with people with eating disorders is that more often than not, it's not about physique. And for me, it was never about physique. No, no, me neither. And I, I feel though for some, for some women, they feel like it is about the way they look. But when you dive in deeper, that's kind of like the surface level. That's what they might think is going on. But when you dive deep, it's some other core belief. You know, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not actually about physique. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's good that people are aware of that as well. Because I feel like, especially like for men as well, people, yeah, I don't know, men, I feel they get really confused about the topic of eating disorders. But it's, yeah, or for mothers listening who've had daughters with eating disorders or whatever, like, unless you've really been through it, it is hard to understand. People are just like, well, why don't you just eat when you're hungry and not eat when you're full? Like, duh, hello. <laughs> but, um, or they, yeah. And they just think, yeah, it's, a, it's all about the way you look. And I feel like for some of us or for a lot of us, maybe um, it is, it seems like it's about the way we look, but it, there's, there's something else deeper than that. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing I want to note before um, earlier when you were saying how when you ate a lot, you just automatically labeled it and judged it as a binge. And then you're obviously going to label yourself and judge yourself as doing something wrong and being bulimic or a binge eater. And I feel like it was actually like back in the day, it was actually quite normal for us to eat a lot of food in one go and then not eat food for a long go. Like we never knew when food was going to come. And when someone from the tribe went hunting and brought a giant pig back, like a lot of us had to eat that before it went off. So I feel like if, if there's good, nutritious, really lovely tasting food in front of us, I think that's really normal that we eat you know, we're not, we're not machines. We're not supposed to eat the same amount every single meal at the same time, every single day. It's always fluctuating and changing. And I feel like it's really normal for us to eat a lot of amounts at certain times, especially for women, because we have our periods. So different times of the month, you know, there's times of the month where I'm hardly hungry. And then other times where I feel like a cow and where like my stomach is a bottomless well. And I'm just like, why can't I feel full? And I feel like that's just completely normal though. Like it's, it's very common and for us not to judge ourselves because of that. Absolutely. We are designed to move through times of feasting and of fasting. Mm -hmm. And I think honoring both is, yeah, it's so important, especially yeah. women. I feel that we do have our cycles and we're going to be a lot hungrier at different times of our lives different times of the month. Yeah. And one other thing I wanted to add on something you said earlier was um, before a binge, you know, that's when you're most vulnerable and how to, what can you do to not binge when you're not wanting to? And how you said going in the, going for a drive in the car, changing your state, moving your body, jumping up and down, screaming, dancing, calling a close friend, calling a family member, all those things are great. I just questioned, and a hundred percent, I'm agreeing uh, that those things are great. I just wonder from your perspective, is that a way of suppressing of what you should be feeling in that moment, you know, rather than 
not binging and sitting with that emotion and letting that emotion wash over you is going for a drive in the car, dancing a distraction from that feeling that you should, you should be feeling. So now because of where I am, I can notice the tendency, the desire to eat, and then I can sit with the feelings. But back then, any attempt at sitting with the feeling would have absolutely led to a binge. Right. So the most important at that time was to not binge because that would, it would harm my digestive system and it would continue to perpetuate a pattern that already had a lot of momentum behind it that I was yeah. doing my absolute best to break. Yeah. And that was the priority. So I feel like we just have to meet ourselves where we're at and work with that and was it a distraction it was definitely the healthiest option by far yeah and sometimes it's like when we're feeling feelings we don't always have to sit with them we can also move them yeah I often will go for a swim or go for a run to move energy or just start dancing and but do it in a way where I'm like feeling as I'm moving the energy really feeling it really feeling it being really present with it, with the music, with the body. Yeah, feel, feeling the emotion, but also actively moving it instead of like sitting in it. Yes, yes, very important. Yeah, I like that you said that. And instead of feeding it with a mental story as well, I think I used to have a habit of figuring out why, wanting to figure out why I felt the way I felt and then feeding my emotions with these stories and then amplifying them and and now if I just feel them I find that they move through me and they can serve their purpose with greater ease and grace yeah self-awareness is one thing but being over analytical is another thing as well (laughs) yeah yeah bringing in the mind can like feed our wounds exactly exactly bringing too too much of the mind and and being aware of if you're judging and if you're labeling as well with the mind is very important. I have a question for you. Do you, do you think fully overcoming an eating disorder is possible? And if so, and I've had this talk with quite a few people, quite a lot of people in my life. And I don't mean get over as in, you know, learn. A lot of people think that it's something that you never fully come over like a lot of stories that I've read and people's you know blogs and experiences some people say that they'll they'll have not and and once again not wanting to label ourselves but but having an eating disorder for the rest of our life and just learning how to deal with it learning how to cope with it um and yeah some people believe that you don't fully 100% quote-unquote get over um the eating disorder and fully yeah, get rid of it. Do you, what's your approach on that? I'm no longer a fan of the term eating disorder. And I like to think of it as our relationship with food. Yeah. And just like you can have a really challenging and dysfunctional and perhaps abusive relationship with another human being, like let's say with a partner, yes. and then you can heal that and you can come into a place where you feel the relationship is so healthy, you'll still have little moments where you 
where it might not feel as healthy, but overall there can be this tone of like health and love. And I feel that it's the same with healing. Yeah. What we call eating disorders. Yeah. It's a relationship with food. And that relationship is always changing. And oftentimes I think that for me, food will be a symbol for the rest of my life, like a sign. It's almost like an alarm system. Like when I start to get weird with food, I know that I need to take a moment to really look at myself and see what's out of alignment. So I do feel that'll always be there, but I don't feel that I will be binging and purging for life. Absolutely not. Um, And I, is there a possibility that I will, you know, sometime within the next year, who knows? Yeah. No idea. Yeah. And, and if that does occur, I'm just committed to like receiving it with acceptance and like total, total forgiveness. Yeah. While also being aware enough to not put myself in a situation where, where I would have been and purge. Exactly. Not beating yourself up about it, not going on that downward spiral. It can be a slippery slope down, but I believe it can be a slippery slope back up as well. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on today or I haven't asked you or you haven't mentioned that you feel that you want to say? Let me feel. If you are suffering with an eating disorder, Know that healing is available to you and anything and everything is possible for you. And the way that I see it in in my work as a healing arts practitioner, the way that I've seen it is sometimes the further we go like down, like the further, it's like a bow and arrow, the further we pull the arrow back, the further it flies forward. So when we hit that rock bottom, when we just are in these places of like total despair, that can often give rise to catalyzing this epic and extraordinary growth and this epic and extraordinary life. Many of the people that I know that are living these extraordinary lives have these stories of so much struggle. Yeah. And that absolutely can be your life story as well. And know that healing is available to you and it's, it's here. And our relationship with food is just a symbol. It's a sign of our alignment with life and our alignment with ourselves. And sometimes really all that it takes is wholeheartedly embracing our creative gifts and sharing with the world or whatever it is that we need to do to realize our greatest potential and to fully express our souls, fully express ourselves. I feel that sometimes an eating disorder can be a way of stuffing down our expression. It's like we start to stuff down our expression and then we start to do the same with food. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful invitation to, to truly look within, like what is happening within you and what is your body? What is your soul? desiring what is it needing where can you grow yeah exactly see it as a an, another way to grow another way to learn about yourself not that something's wrong with you 
No, absolutely not. It's always an opportunity. It is such a golden opportunity, truly. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Daniela. Uh, thank you for having me, Arel. I hope that this served you if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sure it has. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I hope you have a good night in Greece. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.